Hey, I'm Dina. I'm Nikki. And we're your hosts for CBD Magcast. CBD Magcast is devoted to the legalization of cannabis and its impact in your community. Cannabis Concierge, the expert and discreet service of cannabis procurement for the individual or retailer. These buds are for you. CBD Magcast Civics brings you business bragging all about commerce in the cannabis industry. Hi, Nikki. Hi, Dina. How are you? Great. How are you? I'm doing fantastic because today we're here having a chance to interview Sandy with ResRid. And I'm going to let Sandy explain who he is and what he does. Again, my name is Sandy Babin, and about uh, two and a half years ago, I getting reintroduced back into the cannabis industry, wanted to see if I could come up with a product to sell in it. Wasn't interested in getting into the actual cannabis product, wanted more of an accessory. And so this particular product, ResRid, that we have is a cleaning towel. It's a 10-inch by 12-inch towel, has uh, nine water-based surfactants in it for cleaning plus lanolin and aloe so it keeps some moisture in the individual's hands as they're cleaning their devices and I discovered that a company that I represented and another business that I have as a manufacturer's rep that they had a product that worked very well for cleaning up especially anyone that was doing dabbing or anybody that was fooling with concentrates even down to the pin type configurations although you don't have the residue buildup that you would on someone that's dabbing you still have a buildup on the actual terminals for charging the battery back so it's very nice to be able to clean those and get a good charge back in your battery rather than going back in it not being charged so we started investigating it with the manufacturer out of cleveland a federal process it took them about a year to come up with a product that they labeled resrid which was kind of appropriate to the industry mm-hmm. um, and we before the product was was put out for production we wanted to clear through the uh, cannabis board here in Washington state whether this product would be allowed into the industry uh, as an accessory product several emails swapped back and forth and the final resolution was yes you will be able to offer this product as a paraphernalia type item in the industry so we released for production the product we brought in about 50,000 units to start going out into the industry to sell that started up about July of 2017 so it took about a year to bring the product to market and at that time we worked for about three months and then we're advised that the state of Washington Cannabis Board was reevaluating or reinterpreting the guideline and that our type of product, uh, not just us singly, but our type of product and other types of items that weren't directly cannabis related to the actual product or smoking devices, that we would not be able to put them into the Rec 21 cannabis stores. So uh, that's kind of where we're at. We're in our holding pattern. We've done some trade shows down in Oregon. We've got some good response out of the Oregon market since they don't have the restrictions that we have here. But okay. um, still, it's it's tough to travel 150 miles away from when you're sitting right in the heart of the state in the Northwest that was the first to bring cannabis into the industry. So we're in a holding pattern. We met last year in that time when you first came out with your product. I was a bud tender. I loved it. I had a couple of packets from you and a couple of different times, and I gave them all away except for one. And I had mentioned after it had been dried for a year, I used it, finished it up, and it worked again. All I had to do was get it wet. I couldn't get over it. It was fantastic. It's not just for the cannabis industry. It can be used basically to clean anything that you have, whether it be permanent marker, grease, dirt, whatever. So, yeah, it's a, it's a very versatile product. But, again, it was an effort to bring something into the cannabis industry that after doing research before we approached federal process to put the product together, we bought several different competitive products and didn't see anything out there that was of the quality that ours was. 
what we had talked about on the phone before, you had mentioned <coughs> the extensive data you put together to go into the stores and the loss of market that was significant to you. That, was, that really astounded me. Yes. There, there's a couple of data services that are available in Washington State, and then from there you can take that out in Excel spreadsheets and you can manipulate the data in any way you want. And, and what we did is we looked at, as a part of that data, it wasn't just, hey, store A is the number one store in the state this month, maybe it's number two next month. They actually would list the most popular items sold out of that store for that month, what they bought it for, what their markup was before tax, after tax. And so we took that number and, and, you know, no no great accounting here. We just said, okay, so here's what the item is selling for. Here's what I paid for it. Here's the taxes that I have to pay to the state, to the sales tax. Um, so now you've got a net number. Now you start plugging in overhead that the shops have. We've, we've plugged in roughly a 30% of, of cost is overhead. Never really had any of the shops that disagreed with us on that. Mm-hmm. Take the B&O tax out. Not a big tax, but it's still a couple of points that they've got to give up in their margin. And then you take out the federal income tax, which a lot of the, the, I think, shops may not have realized. You got taxes on the top side, you got taxes on the bottom side. And so it turned out as effectively a product that they might be buying for 10 or $11, selling for a little over 30, they'll wind up making less than a dollar on it after you deduct all of those expenses. We approached them and said, if you just promoted one res red towel with each sale, and we can increase your margin by 68 cents. In many cases, when they're below a dollar, we were doubling their profit margin for just selling one res red item. And we approached the shops as, do it like McDonald's does it, upsell. Hey, look at this, yeah, I see you using waxes. I see you using cartridges. Here's a great cleaning towel. Do a little promotion. We even have uh, given some consideration to doing promotions for the bud tenders. If the bud tender at the store that sells the most in the month, you know, maybe gets a $50 gift card or maybe we buy some product out of the store if that's something legal. Within the guidelines, it's permissible in, in the shop since they're so stiffly regulated. We don't want to infringe upon any violation there, but we definitely would like to help promote the product. Yeah, create incentive. That's the way to do it. And then when it works for itself, it sells itself after right. that. Right. Definitely. Did you have a, or did you find a market in like the paraphernalia stores at all? Did you, anything like that? Well, my last discussion with a gentleman from the uh, cannabis board, November of last year, his comment was, well, you know, you can still sell it in the glassware shops. And I said, well, you know, you, you cut our potential market by about 90%. Because, again, with the numbers that we get from top shelf, we're able to do a backwards calculation and determine how many transactions there are in a month. I And I told him I could take you to the shopping center in, in Bremerton, where there is a glassware shop that's three doors down from the cannabis shop. And if you watch, if 50 people walk into the cannabis shop, maybe five walk into the glassware shop. So right. It's no secret that cannabis stores are trying their best to be a one-stop shop where they can be, so I understand that. Yeah. Well, don't get me wrong. I, I, I do sincerely, even from a past business that I own, do a shop that opens up, and it's a new industry because I was part of an industry in South Louisiana that was a new industry coming in. You really don't have a good feeling for what your costs are. So when mm-hmm. you're either over-regulated, uh, like we were in that business, or if you're restricted on what you can and can't sell in your shops, you know, that has a great effect upon uh, whether that shop is going to be profitable or not. Well, not only that, they can't take the responsibility of possibly getting a nick on their license because they sold a product that now is under a different interpretation across the board. So then a moratorium comes. We just don't sell anything, it's easier. Or that, you know, and that potential is dangerous as well. So what what did they did they rule specifically or do you know like what they reinterpreted specifically that kind of kicked you out? 
uh, it basically and simply put to me was if it's not cannabis, if it's not glassware to smoke it, if it's not a paper to roll it, you can't sell it in the shop. I was told they can't even sell cigarette lighters in the shops anymore. Now look, I'm going back a year ago was the last time I visited that situation, so maybe some things have changed, but as I've walked in and out of the shops, I don't see a whole lot of anything but those three, glassware, papers, product. And that's my point about them not wanting to take any chances either because the detriment to their oh. livelihood for it. And we all understand that, but it just doesn't make sense because it's stifling. That's correct. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, the, the worst thing that could happen to this industry is shops start failing because they're restricted on whether they can be profitable or not. That, you know, I'm not showing any bias there. Any business has to be profitable or the doors don't open. This is not charity. Yeah. People are trying to make a living. They're trying to feed their families off of this. Look how many people have been employed now in this industry that would not be on the possibly the unemployment rolls or moving out of state because they couldn't find work in the state. So. And there's every level of work in this industry. It's like if you're somebody who just wants to water plants all day or if you're somebody who wants to run the business, there's room for you from A to Z. And again, we're running into a real weird uphill battle against a behavior that doesn't make sense. People are in charge of the cannabis industry that A, don't have any care for it or understanding, or I don't know what it is that they are so tight-fisted about it when they don't have much of an interest, desire, or want for it. That's just the thing I feel from everybody I talk to. You can't get somebody to make a consistent decision. You have to be worried about somebody's day, if they're having a good or bad day, if they're your LCB agent, somebody's interpretation just because they want to have some authority, whatever it is, or, or trying to do the best but don't know what they're doing. All of it just fails, epically fails for this industry. Yeah, the legislature and interpretation in cannabis is is such a windy and new road, but it's it's really detrimental. This flip flopping pattern that we're getting into, it seems. Well, and I guess we could. What I would like to say about it all and why we do what we're doing with CBD Madcast, having specifically a perilous production and a business bragging, is to say it's a business. We're trying to keep our doors open. We are employing people. We're trying to get advertisements. We're trying to put money back in the community by paying our loans and our cars and our budgets for food and all of these things. Take our kids to ballet or, or football or whatever. But we're, and we're putting so much, a billion dollars a year in taxes, a billion dollars a year in taxes to make all of those things better and available. Yeah, I so much appreciate your model, uh, Sandy, or this idea of your business being able to bring in revenue, you know, your product being able to bring in revenue for you, but also for the businesses that you're going into. Sure. You know, I think that's, that's huge. I manage a store in Tacoma, Emerald Leaves, and we had some of the ResRid samples certainly in there. And I, I mean, almost everybody who had a nasty battery, I gave them a ResRid wipe. That was the, you know, I would have sold thousand of them. And what I love is that you do have a product now that you got stifled here in Washington. You can go to Oregon, California, or any other industry in Washington until they get a chance to work that out. Sounds so, like it could be in a grocery store even potentially. Oh, well, once we, once we were forbidden to go into the cannabis markets, we started looking at other channels to hit. Yeah. Convenience stores were certainly a channel. Coming from also that industry and the other related business, problem with Washington and the convenience stores is that there are no other than a Jackson's food store or an AMPM Arco, there's no chain of stores. 
most of the convenience stores in Washington are owned by individuals that have one or two stores. Maybe they might have three or four. To, to hit that cannabis market, the biggest problem we had going into the cannabis shops was getting to the person that had the authority to buy. That's true. Everybody I, does have that trouble. I understand that there's just dozens of people that stumble through the front doors every day with something that they're trying to promote to the shops. Where When I was putting together my business model for this, I expected maybe two, possibly three visits as a closeout. It was five and six visits before we would get to see the right person. And then there would be a verbal commitment at that point in time, come back a week later, you go back a week later where you've been out of sight, out of mind, that person may be out that day. It became very labor intensive to build that base. And that would be the same thing with convenience stores. They're a great model, you know, it could be right on the side of the York peppermint patties with our gravity feed box, right. you know. Pay a dollar for a York, pay two dollars for a Resrid, and you you know, you've got something to eat after you consume. Yeah, we're excited for you to and your product, and we're sad for everything that happened. And I want to thank you so much for interviewing with us and letting us tell your story. Really appreciate it. You're welcome. Heck yeah, yeah, thank you so much. CBD Magcast and Cannabis Concierge are a division of Confidential Monkey Enterprises. Visit us at www.cannabisbeyonddope.com.